Sandy D, queen of podcasts and join me as I interview inspiring and creative women who are living their passion, finding balance and making an impact around the globe. Come discover your inner Zen, find balance while growing your business, tap into your creative flow, explore holistic health and spirituality. I'll share tips and tools for living a more peaceful, inspired, and balanced life. Relax, recharge, be inspired. Feel free to connect with me at All Things Relax Studios. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to our show. Today I'm talking with Holly Francis, author and rare illness advocate. Holly, thanks for joining us from Canada. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pleased to be a part of the show today. Thanks. So we're going to dive right in and get started. Um, Could you tell our listeners more about you, your background, and how you raise awareness as a GBS survivor? Sure. So my story, feel free to stop me if you need to at any point, because it is kind of long. But uh, so basically, uh, when I was 26, this would have been 11 years ago, I was completely healthy, uh, living the dream. I was in my 20s. I had just gotten married. I had just given birth to my first daughter, uh, Casey, and I was healthy, happy. Everything was going according to plan. Uh, I was at home with my daughter. And all of a sudden, this was about three weeks after I'd given birth and all of a sudden I got this weird tingle in my finger and I thought it was kind of strange. I thought maybe like I had a pinched nerve or something. I didn't know what was going on, ignored it. Uh, within about three hours, I had this weird ache in the back of my neck. And then all of a sudden I was having weakness. Like I was having a hard time getting up and down the stairs. And so it's again, I'm like, okay, well, it's maybe it's all connected. Maybe it's a pinched nerve or something. So I continued about my day, but it just got worse. Everything got worse. The tingling got worse. The weakness got worse. The pain in my neck got worse. And to the point where it was like, no, something is seriously wrong. If this is a pinched nerve, I need to see a doctor and get some pain medication. So I left my daughter at home and I went to the hospital. And I had no idea that when I walked through that hospital, that that would be the last time that I would step outside for over three months. Wow. So I walked through those doors and uh, I was very fortunate that I saw some doctors that kind of recognized what was going on. So the tingling was getting worse, the weakness just getting worse to the point where I was having a hard time like standing up and down, even walking for a couple steps. I felt like I was going to fall. I felt like my legs were 100 pounds. Um, so they knew what was happening and I was able to get a diagnosis of Guillain-Barre syndrome. So very rare illness. Uh, it affects about two out of every 100,000 people. Wow. I had never heard of it. My family yeah. had never heard of it. It was so sudden. And I just deteriorated from there. So they told me we didn't, they didn't know if I would have a severe case or a rare or a a mild case, but they needed to monitor me. And I just deteriorated and I lost the ability to use my legs and my arms and everything. Um, It spread very quickly through my body. And within 72 hours, I was completely paralyzed basically from the neck down. I was unable to breathe on my own. So that's when they put me um, on a ventilator in ICU. So again, this happened within about a three three day period. And uh, they rushed me to ICU. And that's where I stayed for several months. So it was a very devastating time for me, uh, a very, very dark period of my life that I never thought that I was going to get up, get out of. So 
at the time, I mean, my daughter was a newborn, right? And so I was wanting to be at home with her and I felt like my life was over and I, I was in so much pain and so much, um, so much emotional pain, even just not being able to be with my daughter and not being able to, um, just be a mother like I had always oh, wanted. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can imagine to be yeah. separated after three, three weeks after. Yeah. Just over yeah. three weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So I was just, it was such a dark time and I was in so much pain and I, I just didn't believe that I was ever going to get out of it. And for many weeks, like I stayed completely paralyzed, unable to move. I had a ventilator. I was breathing through a ventilator, so I couldn't speak. Uh, breathing felt like I was underwater all the time. I felt like I was always going to like run out of air. The pain was excruciating. I was heavily medicated. Um, it was just so traumatic and it was such a crazy time that just every day was just a struggle that I didn't know if I was going to make it out. And there was some very dark times where I was like, I'm not going to get through this and wow. you need to let me go. And I asked my family to actually like, let me go. But they, they insisted, like the doctors insisted that I would get better. It would just take time. I just had to be patient. And so I just waited and waited and every day tried to push through. Um, and then over time, after about uh, just over two months, I actually started to show, show improvements. Uh, it started with a finger tip, basically moving, wiggling. Wow. And then from there, like an arm started to move and it just kind of slowly came back. And uh I had met another GBS survivor at that time because I was so lost and, and felt hopeless for so long uh, that I was never going to get out of there. And I was just never thought I was going to ever be the mom that I wanted to be. Um, so somebody had um, dealt with a GBS patient in the past. So they brought another GBS patient to come and see me. And he walked in and he had been fully recovered, wow. walked in and he had a... a, a newborn daughter as well and Aww. he's yeah and he just was like i was where you were and i was he was actually in the exact same room that i had been in the oh hospital, my gosh which was crazy yeah no. so he had been the exact same state that i has and he just looked completely healthy like as if nothing had ever happened so that was a huge turning point for me gave me that motivation you know what if he can do it then i can do it and i have to fight for my daughter uh, so from there, I just really worked on everything. So I worked on recovering from the getting off the ventilator. So learning how to breathe, um, which is definitely the hardest part of my journey. So it was like practicing breathing on my own, felt like running a marathon that oh, you've never trained imagine. for. Yeah. And I would, I would go off the ventilator for 30 seconds at a time and felt like I was going to die. And then, and then <laughs> a minute and just gradually increased it over time. Same thing with my arms, just kind of worked on physiotherapy in my bed and slowly got stronger and stronger. So eventually, as you can see, obviously yeah. today that I made a full recovery. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, yeah, I went, I had to go through a lot to get there. Like my physiotherapy, um, it just really showed me what I was capable of doing. I was in my twenties, didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself. And I gained confidence through that experience that it showed me, you know what, I can get through anything. And you're so much stronger than I believed because at times like uh, getting off the ventilator, it felt like I was never going to, and then I proved myself wrong. And so it was like, you know what, I can do, I can do hard things. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. I just can't even imagine like, yeah, pulling through that and Wow. I mean, you had motivation for sure with a newborn did. daughter. I mean, I did. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh so, and wow. that just kind of, yeah, brought me to where I am today and that I knew that 
I wanted to show other people that had or that are going through GBS that you can get through it. Cause I know when I was there, I felt so alone and so, so broken and just did not believe that I was going to get through it. And so after I recovered, it was like, I had to advocate for GBS. I wanted to teach others about it and what it was. And I wanted to remind other people or, or show other people that were going through it themselves or a family member that there is hope and that you just have to keep fighting for yourself. Wow. So that segues great into the next question. So for those who aren't really familiar with GBS, what are some of um, the known like triggers? And I know, of course, you can't say, oh, for everybody, it's this, but some of the common yes yeah, so so Guillain-Barre syndrome is a it's an autoimmune disorder and so again yeah they can't guarantee like this is for sure your trigger but most of the time they see it come on um usually several weeks so usually like one to four one to five and sometimes it's outside of that but are usually it's pretty common between that time period after something that triggers the body to cause an autoimmune response so Typically, they'll see it after like the flu, so like influenza, um, stomach bugs. So a lot of uh, like if, if you get food poisoning, it can yeah. actually trigger it. Those are the kind of most common. Uh, surgery is one. Uh, I've seen it many times after childbirth. Mm. Uh, so for me, I had my daughter. I also had a C-section. Um, and it's just the entire trauma of your of what I've gone through and going through um, like pregnancy and all that. Yeah. That can cause an autoimmune response. So it really differs from person to person. Um, I talk to people all over the world um, who've gone through GBS. And, and it's crazy. Some people, they have no known trigger. They can't think of anything. Wow. Uh, that may have triggered it. Other people I've talked to like stress, they've gone through a high stressful time in their life. And then two to three weeks later got GBS. So it's really hard to say. Um, but for me, they they think it was kind of the, the trifecta of everything that I went through with being pregnant, um, giving birth and, and the C-section. Oh my goodness. Wow. Now for those um, living with an autoimmune condition, reducing stress is definitely important for like managing flare-ups, for example. Can you describe what it was like to have a flare up and how were you able to rein that back in? Yeah, so I have dealt with ever since I recovered from GBS, I have dealt with fatigue, nerve pain. Those are the two most common residuals. Um, a little bit of weakness as well, like uh, when I'm extremely tired. Um, I'll have a hard time like going up flights of stairs. I'll get more tired than I know that a, like a typical normal person would. Um, and so I've also noticed, I've, I've noticed as time has gone on, gone on when I'm really stressed or when I've got a lot going on, when I'm pushing myself too hard, when I'm taking on too much at work, when I'm not getting enough sleep, that the fatigue is worse, the nerve pain is worse. Uh, so it's really been trying to manage that and try to keep that low um i found out the hard way several times that <laughs> pushing yourself too hard can lead lead or lead to those flare-ups so for example there was one time where i wanted to run uh, uh in a race and i was i was really i big into running and exercise after i recovered from gbs because i just seen what my body was capable do, of doing and i was so proud of what it was able to do after no longer being able to move or, or walk or stand um, and so I, I got into running and I really wanted to do this 10 kilometer race. So I had done five Ks before, but I wanted to do a 10 and I did it and it was so hard and it was great. 
And then I had a lot of stuff going on in my life at the exact same time. I was very busy at work and my body crashed. And so when I went through that, it was very scary because it was so severe. The fatigue and nerve pain was so severe that it felt exactly like I was getting GBS again. And the nerve pain was coming back. So it was the tingling, exactly Mm -hmm. like how it first came on. The weakness, I was having a hard time. I felt so exhausted. Um, And it continued to get worse and worse. And so I actually ended up eventually going to the hospital and I was very grateful. They were like, you know what, it could be GBS again. Let's, let's monitor in UNC. Um, And then after I completely stopped and rested, I, it didn't go any further. Nothing else happened. And so from there they took me off work and they said, you need to take care of yourself and you need to slow down and you need to just focus on you for a little while and not, not worry about anything else. Um, And so that's what I did. And I was able to really rein it in and and bring it down those levels of high fatigue and high, even anxiety I was going through as well, because it was so scary and, and the nerve pain reduced and the fatigue reduced. And so that was a wake up call for me uh, to really, pay attention and not push myself too uh-huh. hard yeah. it's hard finding that balance oh, like you, do, you do yeah you do need to push yourself a little bit outside of your comfort zone that's how you usually like increase your strength and that sort of thing but there is that fine line and so for me it's been about really learning that over the years yeah of um, what is too extreme and what's not um recognizing the signals that my body is telling me like oh i've had an increase in nerve pain okay what is going on at work what have you been taking on have you been getting enough sleep are you stressed okay if so then you need to you need to tone it down so that i can usually usually stop it so i've been able to do that i've been living with the residuals of gbs now for 11 years and i think the last three i've really got it under control for me sleep is most important Mm -hmm. getting a good night's sleep and then keeping stress down is number two and as far as the whole keeping stress down especially when we're talking about dealing with work too but even for like personal uh, obligations would you say um, maintaining boundaries, I guess, and being able to just say no is an important part of that, all that equation? Absolutely. And that's something that I have also had to learn. <laughs> and it's something that we all, I think, have to learn. But it yeah. is. It's just about like, and that's one thing that I've really tried to do is to bring awareness to to GBS is that just because I've recovered, just because I look very healthy, I mean, I go to the gym three to four days a week because it. I find that when I, the more active I am, the less stiff I am, the less pain I'm in, the more energy I actually have. Um, so, so normal people would kind of see me and think, oh, she's back to normal, she's completely healthy, but it is an invisible illness. So mm-hmm. the residuals that I deal with, you may not see them, but I still struggle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just those boundaries, right? And just bringing that awareness that, you know what? No, I still deal with fatigue. I still deal with um, stress and, and nerve pain and stuff. And so it's very important that I don't push myself too hard. And so I've been very open and honest about that with my family and friends. And I think that's something for people to take away is that if you're dealing with like an illness of some sort, it's just bringing that awareness to other people. They may not even think it and they're just they may see it like, oh, well, she's, why is she always canceling plans with me? Right. But if they know what's going on, you know what? I just, I can't. I've had a really busy week and like, I need to say no, right? So it's normalizing saying no, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
Now, um, I understand your memoir, Life Support, is going to be released later this year. Can you share a little bit about your book without giving it all away? Because Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So yeah. basically, it actually goes back like almost 10 years ago. So when I had recovered from GBS, uh, I, I had a lot of people, obviously, in my 20s, everyone's coming to me going, what was it like being in ICU for that many months? Yeah. What was it like to go through GBS? And I couldn't explain that in one conversation. So I actually ended up writing a book. And I I wrote it very quickly. I wanted to talk about what I had gone through um, and I, I self-published it and I put it out there like within a year of recovery. So that actually ended up changing my entire kind of pathway in life because it was out online and uh, I had made a video of my recovery, which you can view on YouTube. Um, and it's basically like of me in the hospital and then uh, going through my recovery with GBS. And that kind of just we kind of went viral. And so then people were contacting me and people were getting in touch with me about GBS and asking questions and stuff. And that has continued now. So I now like I volunteer with the GBS Foundation um, yeah. in Canada. You were just and... named uh, to VP to the board of directors, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I was. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And so I just started advocating more for people because like I was finding that there was like all these people out there in the world that didn't didn't know that there was other GBS survivors like them. There was doctors that were not as educated about GBS as, as even I was. And I was like, just blown yeah. away that I'm yeah. like, I know this, but you don't. Uh -huh. And so it just kind of like led me on this, yeah, new kind of path in life. And I started my social media page, um, Holly after GBS and just was connecting with people. And from there, people were asking more questions about GBS. And I, there was just so much that happened from the time that I wrote my very first book to now. And so the last several years, I've been working on completely rewriting it yeah. and just more details and what I know now about GBS and what I've seen in the community and, and what I wish people know. So I've been working on that book now for almost five years. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so I'm really excited. There's there's so much good information in there. It's going to help people that have that are going through GBS. It's going to help family members to understand, like when you're in ICU and you're you, you can't communicate communicate what you're going through, what you're feeling. So the book is going to help people understand. Um, it's going to help educate nurses and doctors who many times like have never seen a case of GBS. So when I was in ICU, there was nurses and doctors that I was their first GBS patient they'd ever dealt with oh in their gosh, career. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? So you're kind of like a teaching, you know, experiment Absolutely. for them. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so just really wanting to to talk about kind of what it's like to deal with a GBS patient. So I'm very excited. It's been a long yeah. project that I've been working on. Um, and yeah, it's hoping to be done uh, by the end of this year. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, make sure you circle, um, if you don't mind, circle back to us when it does publish because I can update show notes at any time. And I would uh, love to make sure that listeners can get a copy once it's available. Absolutely. That yeah. would be great. Oh, that's great. Now, what advice would you give those women who are listening who have a story to share when it comes to like, you know, getting started with writing a book? Because a lot of times like imposter syndrome kind of kicks in or Oh man, I know all about that. <laughs> yeah. So my my biggest advice is number one is just start. Start mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. So I myself wanted to write a book for so long and I wanted to rewrite this book for so long and I stalled a lot mm -hmm. 
for during various stages of it. And it was like, oh, but I don't know. And I, I don't know how to write a book. And I don't know. just start, right? If, yeah. if you feel deep in your heart that that's what you want to do, then just do it. Um, learn as much as you can about um, writing a book, even just getting started, I would say like the, the, the um, kind of like bullet points that you need that you're wanting to draft about your book. Yeah. So say like you're, you want to talk about this topic, this topic and this topic. Okay. So then kind of formulate your ideas and then kind of just come up with like uh, some chapter outlines and then just go, just write. It doesn't matter if it's good. doesn't matter if you need to get an editor later down, just get started on it and just write. Uh, there's also a book out there um, called Seven Drafts, uh -huh. which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, it's by a woman that I actually um, have worked with a few times. Oh, cool. um, and so it will help you kind of just draft your book and figure out like what steps to follow. I know for me, like there was so many steps that I didn't follow and I had to find <laughs> the, the hard way and things right. took longer. Um, so that book, Seven Drafts is, is a great one that will kind of tell you like, this is how you format it first. So learning about that, um, knowing when to get emotional, like writing a book can be very hard, especially if you're telling your story and you're, you're going through some traumatic things. So I would say, don't be afraid to get it all out. Yeah. Don't be afraid to uh, wear your heart on your sleeve and say every little detail of emotion of how you were feeling. You can always take out certain things, but I found it really therapeutic to get it out. And if you decide later on, you know what, that's a little bit too personal. Like you don't have to share every detail of everything. Right. You can always edit um, it out later. Exactly. Right. You can always edit it out. But I always encourage people, I say, get it out there first, because it is good to, to understand what you went through. Um, and then from there, um, I, I always encourage people, if you are doing that emotional writing, is have like a bell or something. So you ring the bell when you start writing. This is your time to focus on getting it out, that um, those emotions. And then when you're done, you ring that bell again. And it's okay, I've released that. Some people I know have a shower, just yeah. something to kind of cleanse the soul, and because it can be, it can be heavy, right? It's a yeah. you're going back into something very dark that you may have gone through. Um, so just clearing that energy once you're done. Oh, I love this discussion on energy clearing and everything. Yeah, no, that's great, and I like that idea of the bell. Yeah, because it's kind yeah. of like you're, yeah. Oh, this is cool. Oh, love it. <laughs> wow. Um, we're going to take a really short break. And when we come back, I want to hear about what you do to relax and rejuvenate. Great. Sounds good. You have a voice and it deserves to be heard. Hi, I'm G Wright, producer and rock star media trainer. I'm on a mission to help authors, coaches, and creative entrepreneurs share their story and channel their inner rock star. Join me and Sandy D, the queen of podcast zen, in our rock star media training program. Speak with confidence and clarity and connect with your audience. Join the band today at allthingsrelaxstudios.com.
So Holly, what do you do to relax and rejuvenate? As we know, this is especially an important component for um, your health. Absolutely. So for me, um, even though it's it's kind of counterproductive, but for me, exercise really is like, it's, it's the way that I'm able to calm down and relax and stuff. So when I'm active, the more active that I am, uh, I find that I'm, I can rest later. So yeah. it kind of, it gives me that energy. And then when I do rest, I'm able to rest because I'm tired and I've used up all my energy during exercise. So for me, it's really listening to my body. Um, I, I just kind of know, like, I know how my body feels when, you know what, it's tired. It is time to take a break. It's time to sit down. Uh, the mental side of things people don't realize, but like, it's, it can be mentally exhausting yeah. sitting at a computer and dealing with people all day or, or talking on a, on a phone or, or whatever, dealing with people in person, depending on the type of person you are, the type yeah. of job you have, right? And so even if you're not using your physical body, it can be mentally draining to do certain things. So knowing what those are and knowing when, you know what, it's time to take a break. Uh, it's time to rest. So for me, like, you know what, I'm done. I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. having a bath. I'm having a hot bath. Um, you know what? Scrolling Facebook, I'll admit it. Honestly, mm -hmm. that is rest for me because it's it's just very relaxing. I'm not I'm not doing a lot of work on it or anything. I'm just kind of scrolling. Um, yeah, hot baths are another one. Um, movie nights, just relaxing on the couch. So those are the most important things I find. Like massage therapy is very, very helpful for me as well. Oh, yeah. Going for walks every day. That's something that I've re just recently implemented in the last uh, several, I guess, probably a couple months that I've yeah. been doing before. It would just kind of be here and there, but I find it very therapeutic just for both the mind and the body. Just kind of just, you know what, just focusing on your own thoughts, focusing on the the nice fresh air outside, the sunshine, right. and just being able to kind of calm the, the body down. Oh, I love it. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know if I shared it out with you. Last year we ended up um adopting a puppy and my primary reason was to get myself to go out and do more walking. Yes. Um and it's great because a dog will tell you, hey, it's time to go for a walk. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so. Yes, we got our dog during COVID. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, we know all about that. Yep. So yeah, uh getting um out there and it's has been really good. Nice. Now, last but not least, who or what inspires you? And it could be more than one. You don't have to limit it to one. <laughs> uh, I think um, the GBS survivors that I've met and that I've known over the years, um, they inspire me. Um, not everybody does recover from Guillain-Barre syndrome. So some people are left in wheelchairs, using walkers, using canes. Um, they just don't regain that strength to their full capability. Uh, so I know how fortunate I am to have regained everything. Uh, so I do exercise because I, I know that they're not able to, and yeah. they inspire me, the ones that are dealing with fatigue and pain all the time. I know that again, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to kind of manage my residuals, but not everybody does. Uh, so they inspire me because I know that like they're getting up every day and they're fighting battles that some people just don't even see and don't even realize. Um, so those people are the ones that definitely inspire me. My daughter as Aww, well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just always like, she was my motivation to get better. Right. And so she, to this day, it's like when I'm having a hard day, it's always, she's always there to remind me, you know what? Yeah. I am always just very kind to myself because I try to be, think of like how I, I would want her to think 
So I try to do the same. Yeah. Oh, I love this. This is beautiful. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much. I really appreciate your taking time out um, to talk with me today and to share this information as I feel it's really good for our listeners out there to even be aware. Because as you said, many people have never heard of GBS. Um, I'm going to try to butcher the name. Is it Guillain-Barre or how do you it's say Guillain it? Barre, yeah. Guillain-Barre, yeah. So it is. It's French. It's yeah, French. Yeah. I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And it was named after basically two neurologists had, had discovered it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So it was head, yeah, headset hyphenated. So that's why, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I... You know, I think it's important to, you know, share and have more people educate on what it exactly is um, so that they can understand. And as you said earlier, like it's can be, you know, an invisible illness that people don't understand. Like like you were saying, it's so important for, you know, to understand if you see someone and they're saying, yeah, I'm tired. No, I can't do this. or I have to cancel the plans to have, you know better understanding of why like they're not just being lazy absolutely yeah Yeah. that compassion and same with like a lot of people that and not just gbs survivors but people that deal with walking aids and stuff just because they don't need it one day doesn't mean that they don't the next right and so that's a a misconception is that like somebody that's in a wheelchair they need a wheelchair all the time but that's not true it's actually like 70 to 80 percent of wheelchair users don't need it all the time right and so if just because they are walking and they're fine and they seem healthy and then the next day they're just exhausted and tired it's because of that fatigue and fatigue is so common in so many different illnesses out there yeah exactly wow so um i want to ask you where's the best place for listeners to connect um with you uh so there's several ways um my website has like a wealth of knowledge so it's hollyaftergbs.com mm-hmm. and then of course social media instagram is my favorite so that's just mm-hmm. kind of where i hang out the most yeah uh so if you want to follow me along there again holly after gbs so instagram i'm also on youtube i put out a lot of youtube videos um yeah. for gbs survivors uh just common questions that i get common concerns about going through gbs so i'll put out videos there um and and then um, I'm also like on TikTok and Facebook and we'll like just post kind of random stuff here yeah. and there, but lots of educational stuff, lots of um, helpful things, helpful tips and stuff for GBS survivors. Um, and then, of course, I always want to mention the GBS uh, CIDP Foundation of Canada. So that's kind of what I'm affiliated with. And they are a fantastic resource of for support and education. So they obviously help anybody that's in Canada um, but if you wanted to um, to kind of reach out to somebody within your own country, yeah. there are there are chapters all over the world as well. Oh, this is great information. So um, thanks again for our listeners. I'm going to include links to you know all the places you you appear, all your resources in the show notes, um, so that they can uh, reach out and they can learn more. So thanks Sounds again. Great. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Yeah. So I want to thank everyone for listening. We appreciate your support. Ciao. You've been listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Relax, recharge, be inspired, and step into your power. Sandy D, the queen of podcasts, Zen, would love to hear from you. You can connect with her on Instagram or Facebook at All Things Relax Studios. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.